You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to stop the other team's best player, their most unstoppable player. What are things that you can do to slow them down or stop them for that matter? So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 47 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. Uh, I really appreciate you coming out. And you got about 46 episodes to get caught up on. And if you are a regular listener, as usual, welcome, welcome. Um, so got some uh, got some great reviews actually this week on the pod, and I want to just shout out to some of the people that um, were really nice enough to leave a review. I have uh, Vera uh, Lake from the Netherlands. I'm so sorry if I messed up your name though, but they said I really love the podcast. If you like volleyball, you should definitely check it out. I've learned so much um, from this from the first few episodes. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Vera. I, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much for commenting. We got a couple more actually. Um, we had. Let's see. I'm just kind of going through my list here. Uh, We had Coach Trisha. Coach Trisha says, best volleyball insight around invaluable information. Trisha, thanks so much uh, from the U.S. And then we had a coach from Canada, Coach BH, says about, I'm about halfway through these series now. And after every episode, I'm psyched to get my team out uh, out on the court and try something new that I've learned. So much value for these episodes. Uh, Thanks for helping grow our game. Well, listen, I appreciate all of you guys for taking the time and letting me, uh, sorry, sharing your reviews and I read them all. So if you're out there and you like what you hear or you have any suggestions, please do me a favor, rate and review the podcast. It's, it, it enables me to reach more people, get ranked higher on iTunes and Spotify and all those great channels. And I get to, you know, grow the game. That's my goal. My goal is to grow the game and educate as, as best as I can. couple other announcements. If you're listening to this episode, the first week of May, you guys are knowing that, um, I'm in the midst of opening Digital Volleyball Academy. So a lot of you guys are always on the wait list for Digital Volleyball Academy. Well, guess what? It's open until this Thursday at 10 o'clock Eastern time, which is when I'll close the doors again uh, for, the sh- for the time being. So if you're a coach and you've been waiting to get inside Digital Volleyball Academy, it's your chance. Doors are open for the next couple days. Again, I'm going to close them Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, just go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and get registered. And if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, it's my signature membership where I get to take you behind the scenes in our college gym. You get access to all my resources, my tutorial videos. You get access to really what we do. And more importantly than that, it's a mentorship program. I, I'm able to provide mentorship to, to every coach, no matter where you are around the world. And You'll never be stuck again. You'll never have to go at this volleyball journey alone. When I, that was the biggest mistake I made when I was a young coach. I went at it alone, and unfortunately, I waited years before I got a mentor. But when I worked with my mentor, I learned more in three weeks than I did in the previous three years. Um, and you not only get to lean on my experience, but the other hundreds of coaches inside DVA from all over the world too. You can connect with them, and it's a great, great community and environment for coaches to grow 
really get build their confidence, not ever have to worry about what to do in any given situation, whether you have a specific problem with your team, you want to address something in your own coaching, we're here to help. I'm here to help. So doors are open just for a little bit of time uh, until Thursday. And now if you're listening to this episode um, after the first week of May in 2021, that's cool. Just sign up for the waitlist. You can still go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, sign up for the waitlist. And when doors are open, you'll get an email. All right. So that's a little update for you guys uh, in terms of what's going on inside the Digital Volleyball Academy world and my world and my coaching and stuff like that. So let's talk about today's episode. We are going to talk about how do you how do you stop another team's best player or another team's go to player? Maybe how do you stop? How do you slow them down? Well, there are a couple things that we can do. Um, and when I, when you think about this question, you know. There is there's a couple things. If you are okay, now I don't want to sound mean when I say this, but if you're a weaker team relative to the team that you're playing overall, meaning like, you know, their starting six is significantly better than your starting six, then this may not apply to you because you're just going to want to play the best that you can possibly play and compete, you know, to your own ability. So I'm not necessarily speaking to teams here who are outmatched in so many different regards, but this is more for teams that are pretty equal. You know, if you're in a, in a, in a pool or if you're in, if you're in the same, or if you're playing another team that is relatively the same skill level that you're at, then this will apply to you, right? So, and I'm hoping it applies to every team here because you're going to be playing against teams that are ranked or similar, similarly closely ranked to you. So this, this should apply to you. So in terms of, um, quality and, and, and in terms of competitiveness, both teams have to be somewhat in the, in the realm of competition. They have to be somewhat in the realm of equals. Maybe one team can be still be better than, than the other team, but not like, you know, all six players are better than all six of yours, you know, things like that. All right. So I want to start off by saying that the second thing is, um, you know, when you think about taking away the, the best player's option, one thing that the, the general rule is you, you're trying to make them as uncomfortable as possible, okay? So I remember years, years ago when I coached club, this would have been our team's 16U year, okay? 16U year coaching club. We played against the number one team in our province at the time, and we were, I think, ranked eighth or ninth. We were, we were ranked, you know, pretty, pretty down. Like, I think they were ranked number one. We were ranked eighth or ninth. So it's a... You know, seven. There's there seven or eight seeds ahead of us. There's a, a good distinction there. Now, were they better than us? Yes, they were better than us. Were all six of their players better than our starting six? No, but I would say you know probably four out of their six were better than six of our starters. So they they were overall more skilled than than our start our players were. And mind you, at that time, our team was playing together for two years. That team was playing together. I want to say for closer to five years, maybe even six. It was a long, they, they were together for a long time. So, you know, fair enough. Now, what we did is we had a plan to take out their best player. And our plan worked. It worked perfectly. Um, we, we, did, we did what we had to do. We, we made sure that we studied film. We made sure that we understood um, what they were going to run. And we had a plan to beat them. And we were the only team in that entire tournament that beat that team, beat the best team. We we're the only team that did it. Now, are we great? No, they're, they are better than us. And we, and we ended up losing to them again in the, in, the, in the playoffs anyways. But 
that's another story. The the interesting thing though is that that same team we ended up playing against in 18U in the playoffs. And we we lost to that team in the playoffs and we ended up coming in bronze and being third best in the province. And they were fantastic. They're a fantastic team. But the same principles that we applied two years prior, we applied in 18U and we were very competitive, very competitive. Now, just to paint the picture a little bit more here, their starting six was composed of national level players. They had three national team players on their starting six and their other three were high level provincial players. So if you're listening to this in the US, you know, they're like top in the state. And on our team, I love my my boys, they're great. But we only had one. We had one provincial player who's also a national player. We had one player. Everybody else was very, you know, very good volleyball players, but not national and not provincial, unfortunately. So that's just setting the stage for you to understand that that what I'm going to talk about, it, it, it works, but if you're out outmatched in a lot of different positions, not just one, but in many, then it's going to be tough. All right. So let's just talk about some simple principles that you can apply to under to, to, to put that team in a, a more difficult position. So then the first thing to do, and this is very this is a very common one, is you want to serve to their best player. You want their best player involved in serve receive. Now, if they're now most of the times the other team's best player is going to be a left side or an opposite or something like that. Um, if their best team's a the middle, then this doesn't apply to them. But you want to, if their best player rather is the middle, then this doesn't apply to them. So you want to serve their best player. And in theory, it's going to be their left side. Why do you want to serve to them? You want to make them do, because the way that the best players beat you is by scoring. So we want to make their left side be put in a position where it's very difficult for them to make an approach, to swing, and to score. So by serving them tough, they now have to pass and then they have to get outside the court and approach and swing, as opposed to if the ball went to another player, they would have all the time in the world to get ready to approach, and the likelihood of it going to them is high, and then they score on you. So by serving them, they're now involved in much more than just attacking the ball. And if you serve them tough, you could put you could have a, an effect where they have to get low to pass the ball. They may even have to dive. They may have to get on the ground to complete the pass. And if you are able to do that, then they're not only going to be, it's not only going to be tougher for them to attack, they're probably not going to be involved in that offensive sequence. The setter will probably choose another option because that person, that player will, will probably not be involved in that play. So serving them is a great strategy you can use to, uh, to take them out of their game, to take them off that offensive rhythm. And even if they, even if let's say, for example, that you serve them and they didn't, they weren't diving and they serve and they, they pass the ball. Well, now they have to gather themselves, go outside the court, make a full approach. And I guarantee you, it probably won't be as optimal as they would have been if they didn't pass the ball. Okay. So serving to them, there's a lot of different, um, a lot of different benefits from serving to them. Uh, the second thing you can do is now this is, I would say this is advanced. Okay. And I'm going to try to explain this the best that I can, but this would be more advanced is you can run what we call a trap defense. Now a trap defense is when you set your block up to commit, or at least put yourself in a much better position to block their left side, their best player. And a trap defense requires you to have three blockers up there as opposed to two. And all that you do, very, very simple. 
So your right side blocker is going to be matched up with your left side blocker regardless. So they don't have to move too much. Your middle blocker, instead of establishing your middle blocker in the middle of the net, they're going to you know, kind of cheat over just a little bit to the left side. So they're already going to be in a better position to get over to the left side. And your left side blocker, your front court player in position four, they're now going to come all the way across the net and start in the middle of the net. So we're leaving the right side of the court a little wide open. Now, if the setter's front court, then that's not going to be the end of the world unless they dump and hopefully your libero is there to get the ball. But that is how you set it up. So their IDP, their initial defensive position on the block now is shifted over to the right so that when they set the left side, you now have a much more easier time for all three players to transition over there and have six hands up for the block. Six hands is definitely better than four hands. Okay, so let's call it trap defense. You're loading up on the left side to have three blockers up there, and your libero is going to have a little bit more area to cover because there's no left side defender anymore. They're going to have a little bit more area to cover in terms of tipping, you know, tipping to position four, rolling to position four, etc. So your libero has to be aware of that. And your, your, the player in position six is going to be very deep in case the ball goes off the, play, the blocker's hands, which in our case, it should be if you know we're trapping that, that left side. It's going to probably go off the player's hands and far. So the left side, the player in position six, has to be pretty much to the end of the court to get ready to play those balls off the hands. So this is very advanced. Are you going to try this at 14U? Probably not. Okay. Um, but you're going to try this at, at the 17, 18U age group where your players have the ability to understand what a triple block is and understand how to um, to get over there and then still be an offensive option when you come back down. The reason the triple block, I'll tell you right now, the reason the triple block is not utilized a lot in the younger age group is because once you execute the triple block, you're giving up a lot of offense. It is very difficult for a young player, especially a left side, to come down on a triple block and then run outside the court to get ready to swing. It's very, very hard. All right, you got to be a very experienced player to have the footwork down and have the and, and have the spatial awareness and the court awareness to do that. So that's why triple blocking isn't very isn't utilized at a lower level because they don't have the ability to not only triple block itself but to come back down and, and be an offensive threat. So some things to keep in mind, uh, if, if you're just playing strictly defense to slow that player down, then you might. So I've had younger teams actually say, you know what, we're going to give up a couple points. We know that we may give up a couple points by not having a left side out there, but that's okay because they want their presence to be seen at the net for that triple block. They want that other team's best player to understand that we're going to make your job very difficult, which... By showing them early that you're going to triple block the left side, that now in itself lets the other team know that, wait a minute, if this team triple blocks our left side and, and it's not converting, maybe we go somewhere else. And that's what you want them to start doing. You want them to start thinking, well, you know, if the coach on the other side is saying, well, they're, they're triple blocking our best player, let's just go to the right side. And that's okay. Because their right side, in theory, is not as good as their left side. It's not their best option. It's not their best player. I would rather lose to an option that's not their best than to lose to their best player. And that's when you can start having your defense put a little, a little extra work in, and you can start getting some plays out of it. So you see the mind game we're playing here? We're 
we're, we're, we're like we're getting in the other team's head. We're psychologically showing them what we're doing so that they change. And the minute they change, now all of a sudden we can go back to regular IDP, regular defense, and hopefully we can get some extra points before they start going back to their best option again. So a little bit of game of chess here, but that's why some teams, even if they can't execute offensively, they don't they don't mind because they know in the long run they've gotten more points back by showing the triple block, the trap defense early so that you know they can uh, they can kind of work around that all right so there's a couple of things too um now the other thing uh that you could do with their best player is 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 really simple okay study film study their tendencies what do they like to do what do they like to do take it away from them and when you do that great things happen so i'm gonna give you an example so a couple years ago um or was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. Uh, our team played against the number one team. This is the high school girls team I coach. We coached, we played against the city finals. Um, this team, the team who wins this ends up going to OFSA, uh, which is our like big championships that, ha- that happened in high school in Ontario. And we played against a phenomenal team. And their best player um, was great. She's amazing. She can score at will. And she is a actual, she's a nationally ranked libero. Okay, but she was a left side for the high school team. So we, we, we played them before and we knew what her best shot was. Now her best shot was actually a roll shot to, to one, to deep one. She was a real, she had a really good, I wouldn't even call it a roll, more like a really nice swing to one in that corner. So what we did was, well, as a defensive strategy, we wanted to take away her best shot and that was her best shot. So we ran a rotational defense where the player in position six would come all the way across to position one, the player in position five would drop to position six, and the player in position four will drop a little to position five. So we kind of, we pushed our defense over a little bit, and we did that on purpose. And we only did that when she was front row. So match starts, what ends up happening is they go to the left side and she does the shot that 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 got her to the city finals, which was that deep one shot. But what happened was our team was there to pick it up every single time so we took away her best option and you know what happened she had to deviate she had to then change up because that wasn't working anymore and when she changed when she deviated she went to shots that she wasn't as comfortable doing or they weren't as effective as the other ones and we were stopping those ones too and then she started overcompensating, started committing errors, and before you know it, a volleyball game only goes to 25 points, we had the better end of that ball game, and we ended up winning three sets to none. Not to say that that was the reason why we won. We did a lot of other things really well, but we took away their best player's best option, which then had their best player start changing and deviating to other offensive um, attacks, but weren't as strong as their best option. And when we took those away, it was a matter of committing errors and things like that. So, if you could take away their best shot, um, you know, chances are you'll. I don't want. I don't want to say well, you'll get in their head, but that's essentially what you're doing. You're getting in their head so that they they're forced to do things that make them uncomfortable, and you know that that's what you want them to be doing. You want them to be doing things that they're not comfortable doing. Um, you know, this can kind of go both ways with the serving to them. You know, you serve them tough, and they start shanking balls they start not being able to pass, guess what? The byproduct of that is going to be their offense, believe it or not. Because you're, they're, they're creating, they're making errors, they're making mistakes, their confidence is being jeopardized there. And what, what ends up happening is they try to overcompensate on the attack, and they, instead of attacking with a purpose, they may just try to bang the ball and do a bunch of other things that will not result into points. So 
getting in their head early is a great, great way of taking their best option um, out of the game. So study film, study the other team, study their best players, know what they like to do and try to take it away from them, okay? And the last thing, and this kind of ties up um, what I talked about earlier with the other, th- with the, with the other couple ones, is, is go at them. Like don't be afraid to go at them. And this kind of ties into serving at them because when you're serving at them, you are going at them. But even on offense, like, you know, when you're swinging, if there's a seam and you can swing right to the left side that, you know, that's playing defense out of six, go at them force them to commit errors, force them to play defense. Whatever you can do to take their confidence away, um, do it. Now, that, now you may not have to you know, hit at them. You might just score in, in the area they're responsible for, and that would work as well. But all of a lot of the things that we talked about, the trap defense, serving at them, taking with their best option, this is pretty much going at them and getting in their head and, and having that psychological aspect of it. So they're, they're kind of you know, they kind of all overlap in that, in that sense, but really these are the things that you can do to make it more difficult for the other team and for, um, for their best player. All right. So just to recap, serve them tough, trap defense, take away their best option. And that's through studying film and, uh, understanding what they like to do. And then, and then honestly, just go at them, you know, just like, just like when you serve them, go at them. Really try to create any kind of psychological advantage you can. And when you, and I'll tell you something, coaches listening to this, you may be able to relate to this, but when you get in a player's head, it's, it's a great thing. When you get in a player's head and they start deviating from their regular game plan and their regular offensive ability or defensive ability or whatever they're really good at, you put yourself in a great position to, to, to take advantage of that and potentially win some sets, if not win the game. Um, but it's strategic. It's strategic in how you do it and, and, and the purpose of what you're trying to do here. All right. So those are my big three takeaways on how do you, how you kind of, I don't say stop their best player, but really these are the, the tactics we can use to make their best player have a much, much, much more tougher job um, than if you didn't do any of these things. All right. Uh, for those of you that um, are on the wait list, DVA is open. Okay, if you're listening to this uh, in the first week of May 2021, DVA is open. It's closing Thursday, uh, Thursday, May, what is that, May 6th, I think, at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so get in there. I can't wait to see you guys inside the membership. Uh, and as always, leave a review, rate the podcast. I appreciate everyone listening to today's episode, and I will see you next week on another episode. Oh, before I say that, digitalvolleyballacademy.com. That's where you go to register. digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Join DVA. Can't wait to see you guys inside the membership. I appreciate it. And now, as always, I'll see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.